0: Wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Badminton Podcast. A community for badminton players by badminton players, proudly brought to you by Villan. We talk all things badminton and aim to inspire you to be better in your game and in life by celebrating the people and stories of our global badminton community, whether they be past or present professional players,
1: social players, officials or fans. We're your hosts, Jeff and Henry. And we love badminton. From the bottom of our hearts, we'd just like to say thank you to everyone who has listened to, shared, and been part of the podcast. It wouldn't be possible without you all. If you do enjoy our episodes and can spare just a couple of dollars each month, you can really help keep the podcast going by supporting us on Patreon. Just visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. We'll leave the link in the description. As people who love badminton, we all know that it's not just about the sport itself. It's about the connections you make and the things that it teaches you as a person that you're able to bring to all of the other parts of your life. That's why we want to introduce you to the book Mirror of Magico, written by Al Liao, a former Taiwanese national badminton player who is as passionate about badminton as us. For those who love Harry Potter, you want to give this one a read. Because Al has authored a fantasy story where three different characters with varying personalities go on a journey of adventure and learning. And they realise that things don't just happen to you, they happen because of you. And by being yourself and spending time in your dreams, you can conquer the evils and be the best version of yourself. So make sure you check it out. Mirror of Magico, written by Ao Liao. You can find it in all leading bookstores and we'll leave the link in the podcast description. So on today's show we have a couple of guys that we actually spoke to in episode six of the tokyo 2020 show it is Stephen stalwood and callum hemming from england so they've been best mates since they, i think they were nine years old they said and they just broken into the top 100 in men's doubles so the current ranking of 96 and they're also going to finland to play in the suderman cup as well as denmark to play in the thomas cup this month and then next month as well.
2: I'd honestly just say have fun, just have fun and enjoy it. If you enjoy it, then you're going to want to push on and improve and learn. And that's, that's the main thing is just make sure that you want to do it and just have loads of fun whilst doing it, because there's no point in doing something that you don't enjoy. Yeah. you will just half ass it, so my main bit of advice is honestly just have the most fun. For me, I would say if you lose a tournament or you lose in, in training, these they might feel like the biggest losses in your life, but you're at the stage of your career where those losses are just there to help you gain experience and make you a better player. So, yeah, I guess it goes to what Hem said. Just go out and have fun because everything you're doing at that age is just to make you a better badminton player and hopefully one day reach your peak and achieve your goals. Yeah.
1: So, boys, Stephen and Callum, welcome on to this episode of the Badminton Podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be on. So while we're talking about Suderman Cup and Thomas Cup, I know you're really excited to, to play for England and congratulations on your selection. But how has your preparation been in the lead-up towards these tournaments with you know, with, with COVID and everything that's happening? Uh, good question.
2: I mean, we've just started a new block, so training at the moment has increased a lot. For me, I've actually had a bit of a slight back injury. So for me at the moment, it's just about... Doing a lot of rehab, trying to get myself back onto the court as quick as possible. So then I can get back and, and train with Callum to uh, hopefully be at the best level that we, that we can perform at. But I've been apart from that, everyone's been training really hard, helping each other. So yeah, I feel like it's been, it's been a good block. And then, yeah, regards to training, we're just going at it right now, just making sure we work hard, push each other, and making sure Callum doesn't slack off and vice versa. Yeah. I know what he's like, he's a bit lazy at times. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we'll get in. We'll get into that a bit later. But <laughs> what about you, Callum? You got, got something bad to say about Steve? Not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. It's just like it's pretty much just same what he said. Like
2: in terms of training, it's been really hard recently. We've had a lot of time since our last tournament to work on a lot of things and get ready for these tournaments coming up, which has been good. We don't usually get a lot of time like that, so it's been really handy to um, give ourselves a lot of time to improve and get better and make sure we're in the best possible conditions for these tournaments coming up. So really excited to get
1: going again. Yeah, that's awesome. And I guess coming off the back of Olympics where I guess the great British team did have some really good performances. I think Penty played really well. I think of course the mixed doubles, Lauren and, and Marcus played awesome, made it to the knockout stages. What was Ooh. it like in the, I don't know, in, in the national facility? And, and when that was happening, was everyone pretty motivated and amped after these results and was everyone pretty pumped to get into training after the Olympics?
2: Yeah, um, it's a bit tough because we couldn't because of like the time difference. Sometimes it was like really hard to watch a match, but you know, waking up and finding out that Marcus and Lauren had done so well, and obviously Toby and um, the boys Ben and Sean also did so well to get there, and I feel like they performed really well. To then wake up and see some of these results, it does make you feel accomplished to, to know that you that we trained with these people and that that are friends with them. So yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, it's just a good feeling though and that we, we've helped them to get, to get there as well and yeah, the best we can do is just show support and show them some love. Also, it's like, seeing them do so well, it's like, doesn't seem so far away for us, so, yeah. you know, it makes it seem like very achievable. At the time, we were on our holiday, we had some time off, so, you know, following the results, then waking up, seeing them, it was kind of like, it did motivate us and I wanted wanted to sort of get back into training but I knew that, you know, we are on a holiday I still had to just relax and, get my mental break in but then yeah it was good getting back into training it definitely gave me a bit more coming back into training yeah join our camping trips
0: <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about the camping trips a bit later as well because uh, i'm sure there's plenty to share there but i guess for <laughs> you both as, as up and comers into the scene the sudama is, is a pretty big milestone and before we sort of keep going as to the future of, of this partnership and, and what you guys see. As your goals, but what I want to do is sort of take it back and, and, and sort of learn a bit more about you, just so our badminton community can actually get an idea of who you guys are, how you grew up, how you found the sport, and how you found to love the sport. Yeah, sounds
2: good. For me, my first coach came to my school and had like gave an assembly about his academy. And to be honest with you, at the time I think I was about eight, eight or so at the time, and I money come I didn't I didn't have a clue about badminton I didn't know it was a sport or anything (laughs) went home and told my parents about it and they said that they used to play at lunchtime in their work and stuff and they had a couple rackets I was like you know I'll give it a go because I was always interested in sport and trying new things and then I turned up at at these trials and my coach was really impressed with me how like my hand-eye coordination and everything that was just like really energetic and competitive and then I started training once a week and then being competitive I took it up two, three times a week and then just constantly wanted to win and get better and I just found a love a love for the sport as I was playing more more and more of it. And then yeah, then it just sort of took off and before on earth I'm here pretty much. Like yeah and similar to Steven I think. Yeah mum was sort of the same as well. So the same coach, uh his name's Ross Reeds. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so he came to my school. Had an assembly about badminton. So, went to the first trials and I managed to, to pass that as well. You know, it was the same sort of thing as what Cam said. Uh, he was impressed. He liked the way I played, showed that that work hard mentality. And then, but the, the thing is, I couldn't go to the training because it so far away. And then, what happened was at our local leisure centre that, um, that I went to, they moved the training over to there. So, I did a second trial, got into that. And then uh, started training, and that's how I met Callum. Yeah, and I think we've got such a good friendship, but we're also very competitive. So we sort of we bonded quite well because of that. I don't think any of us wanted to lose to each other. I remember the first memory I've actually got of Callum is when we were learning our overhead throws, and uh, we had we both had so me Callum all all the others that are in were in the um, in the session. We had a shuttle, and we had to practice our overhead throws. And um, me and Cam would always come first and second, first and second. But the best part is, Ross would always basically say, whoever wins, we get a pound. <laughs> so after every session, it was like, me and Cam would take away one pound. And I feel like because of that, we bonded so well. We've had such a good friendship and connection ever since. So. I think they're like, competitiveness really like, pushed each other. Like, we always wanted to win and get like, one up each other, and it always just pushed us. I think that's kind of like what separated us from a lot of people in our group when we were young. But it, sometimes we got a bit too fun. <laughs> a few fights, few tears involved at times, but racket breaks as well. Oh, yeah. I was emotionally like <laughs> emotionally, <laughs> a few fallouts. But my mom, my mom would end up buying me like twenty-pound rackets because I'd just come home with smashed rackets. <laughs> yeah, she was not happy with that. <laughs>
1: yeah. So head to head, can you remember? <laughs> I'm sure you remember, okay, the first time you played each other, I'm sure you both remember that, I think, anyway. The first uh, time you ever played, like, a singles match against each other. I think that's one. True, yeah, I think talent won. I can't remember. I know one time he smashed me, like, it wasn't
2: even close. But I can't remember what tournament it was at. Because there had been so many, it's hard to sort of differentiate. But I should say it's pretty even, like, after all, all the years. But we're also, like, just playing each other loads and training. It was, we, no one wanted to lose and... If we did, and then, like, especially when we were younger, there were a lot of tears and like a lot of tears. Yeah. It was funny, but that's what got us here, I guess. Now, yeah, yeah. it's funny. We'd uh, <laughs> we'd like be best mates, and as soon as it, you know, started warming up and we knew the match was coming, it was like didn't speak to each other. Yeah, it didn't speak because we just we both wanted to win so badly. Yeah. Um, it got a bit better as years went on, but when we were younger, it was like life or death. But yeah, also, it's like with so that happened and we'd play, but then like five minutes after coming off, we'd be like running around like a sports center <laughs> and just playing football or just acting yeah. like kids again and back to it as if the game never happened yeah <laughs> it was
1: always good yeah yeah great story to start because um Ross Reed I know I don't know him personally I know of him and he was actually meant to come on the podcast and I think he started his own academy or something recently yeah so hopefully we'll get him on soon but coming back to that like obviously he's had a huge impact on your badminton career earlier on. But then when you, were, when you were in those squads and then when you kept moving through I don't know, the different ranks and then up the ladder, how did it go from there? Was it something that Ross was involved in or did you transition into different squads?
2: Yeah, so, well, it was kind of like age groups, wasn't it? Yeah. And obviously, when you're young, one year, two years, quite a big difference. So we started obviously being the youngest. And then there was like, when we're the youngest, there's always like things to changed there's always people better than you and stuff so you know that's what we're always chasing and then we'd like get better than these sort of people and just go through the ranks and then sort of got to like sort of ages like around 14 15 years old where that's like so Ross is really good with bringing a lot of kids through and he's brought a lot of kids through into the England circuit and into the England team and then um you know we had a lot of conversations with him and stuff and then it was just around that time it was sort of like okay what's the next best step for us so Nathan Robertson was then my coach from then. And then Ross was really good with it, like sort of agreeing with it. And he knew that, you know, he had to sort of almost like let me go at the time and let me just sort of go on my career. And it helped massively. And, you know, if it weren't for Ross, wouldn't be definitely wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. Yeah. He was just so good at bringing up these younger players. He was so committed. And, you know, he would, if there was some, like a, something that was slightly wrong that wasn't, made, wasn't like a massive problem, he would still take you aside and he'd, he'd fix it. Which you know, it's, it's such a big, it's such a minor detail, but in the long run, it helps massively. And yeah, it's just what Calum said, really. Like he he got to a point where no one could really challenge us in training. As much as as Ross wanted to help and uh, make us get better, you know, he was he was still very he was so good with how we t- transitioned. You know, first started off just going like transitioning to the National Badminton Center. It would be like one session a day after school, and then. You know, you'd come into the mornings before school and then um you know, so as soon as you got into like sixth form and and after you finished which is like um what's well, sixth form? College, I guess. Yeah, like, like yeah, so basically college, you would then start doing, you know, the more senior sessions. Well it got to a point really with training at Ross's Academy where there wasn't really anyone older or better. So then <clears throat> that was the point where it's kinda of like, Okay, so what's next for us here? And that's when we sort of you know, we're having sessions at the National Badminton Center to push us on there because otherwise if we'd have just stayed, there wasn't sort of that much to help us improve. Yeah.
0: From the sounds of it, the both of you are sort of one-upping each other for winning one pound every session until you became, you know, good enough to train with the likes of Nathan Robertson But when you did talk about sort of one-upping each other at the training sessions, but it sounded very sort of singles based. At what point did you both Start your doubles partnership. Was that really early as well, or because it sounds like when you were one-upping each other, it was very much you know beating each other on courts so and yeah. be playing singles together, right? So yeah, when did the doubles start happening? I think at that age, when you're that young, it
2: wasn't about who worked well as a doubles partner. It was like right, if you're the best singles player and you're the other best singles player, we'll stick you together. And because we trained with each other, and for our age, we were first, or second, sixth, best singles. So we got put with each other. I think we played under 11s and under 13s and then yeah i think at that point we sort of we got to know other players from around england and then we sort of went our separate ways but we we had good fun together yeah Um, yeah. i mean back then it was all kind of games it's kind of just enjoying it like you know we played so like you said it wasn't just like just singles we're playing doubles makes play everything really you don't just sort of knuckle down and play one event at that age and then yeah you sort of just play with loads of other people, your parents <laughs> sort it all out and you know, ask the other mums. So they, they become the agents yeah, don't exactly. they sort it all out. Yeah. And yeah, just sort of played with quite a few different people growing up. We were like each other's first partners when we were about ten years old, yeah. playing in tournaments. And then it's kind of just gone full circle. Now we're playing with each other again. Yeah. I think we started I think you started playing Doubles a bit and mixed a bit earlier than me. I remember going to my last singles tournament It was in Iceland. And I lost to some Icelandic guy in the qualifications. So I was like, "Yeah, this just singles isn't for me anymore." I had already had my heart committed to doubles and mixed, but I felt like that was sort of the last stand for me because Ross primarily was a singles coach, so I felt like he was a bit let down when uh, we started going into doubles and, and mixed. But he was, you know, he knew it was the right decision, so he was he was happy for both of us. Even looking back at him now, it's some great memories that we're playing yeah. doubles. I mean, some, it was... some good and some some really bad ones. Yeah. The thing is, I, I stopped playing singles quite early because well, I think I was around 16, 17 years old. And I just I was way more successful internationally playing doubles and mix. So I just knew early that singles wasn't for me and I like playing with someone else. I like having conversations on court and just bouncing off someone. And so for me it was a no-brainer. It was just doubles and mix always. Mm-hmm.
1: So Yeah, cool. So now you're saying you're going full circles. So you've you've just broken in the top hundred now. i um, you're yeah. playing with together again. Did you miss playing with each other when you when you kind of got back on court together? Was like, hey, I, I missed this. This this is fun.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think when we when we played our first tournament for me, it definitely like well, our first tournament. Funny enough, was the All England we did so well to get into that. Obviously, because of COVID and the restrictions, a lot of the Asian players didn't come couldn't come. So yeah, we managed to sneak our way into that somehow. Yeah, it just it just felt so natural. I feel like that trust, that communication, and obviously that friendship helped a lot. You know, it'd been so long and uh, a year back, I don't think anybody, well, me and Cam probably wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't have thought that we'd have played with each other, but yeah, it just worked, I guess. Yeah, so. it kind of just fell in place, like, almost out of luck, because at the time, there was a lot of pairs that we played with, like, partnerships were, were split up, the coaches had made a decision to mix up partnerships and whatnot, and then it was kind of like, there was a few pairs that were almost set, and then it was like a few left, and then at the time, tournaments were coming up, but we weren't playing together but then it made sense to just enter these tournaments and just play and see how it goes and so it's kind of like oh fair enough like, we'll play we got in good and then uh, playing well like, and then it just clicked didn't it like you know it just worked so well that we're playing with each other I think the way we play both complement each other really well so it's just like a stupid not to yeah. pass together and then yeah so it's just it's just fell in place really well kind of like felt like we've never never stopped playing we <laughs> but um, it's nice though like it come around full circle. Like It's been like 10 years that we haven't played with each other and it's funny that like we both started this doubles journey playing together and now we're here. And I think it's quite a fairytale story because the first tournament I ever went to as a kid to, to watch a spectate was the All England and I was with Callum and his mum and you know, seeing all these top players, I remember, not necessarily doubles so I was more focused on the singles but seeing like Lee Wei and like Lin Dan battle it out and to then step on that same court with Callum for the first time, yeah, it was definitely a memory I remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, but yeah, it's funny how how it did come around. Originally, I was playing Zach Russ, and because we hadn't had any tournaments for so long, they wanted to mix up the partnerships. And I think so they had they ended up putting Zach and Roy together and Man Ethan at the time. Me, Max Flynn, and then Greg Mears well, were the only three left. And then Callum I think had, you were sort of committed and mixed at that point, weren't you? Yeah. You, you was not really part of the uh, the doubles lot, and I think yeah, they, they stuck him in and worked well. It just yeah, worked well.
0: So I guess it is a bit of a fairy tale story. Uh, they should really make a movie about it. But maybe towards the end of your career, because it is very in the very early beginnings. Although you have played together or been playing with each other for such a long time, but. Yeah, in terms of just for the Badminton community who may have not heard of you, may have not seen you guys play, you know when we, we talk about men's doubles players, there are certain players who prefer being in the front of the court, other players preferring at the back of the court. Can you give us an idea of what you guys are like on the court? Because you say you're saying you're so compatible. Can you talk us through like what what is it that we would expect to see when we watch you guys play? Now, just a quick word from our sponsors.
1: The Badminton Podcast is brought to you by Volant. Volant was first born out of our frustration with the confusing, bright and unsightly clothes and equipment that we saw in the badminton world, but now it's so much more than that. Our mission is to accelerate the growth of badminton by providing players with products that enhance their love for the sport. All in all, it's high-quality gear that makes you look and feel great on and off the court. So make sure you check us out at volantbadminton.com and follow us on our socials at volantbadminton.
2: Yeah, I mean, Stephen, quite like, he likes the net a lot. He likes going forward, he's quick. And then I was play mix, so it kind of makes sense for me to be slightly more yeah. of the rear court player and Stephen to at the net. But at the same time, because we are similar players, we kind of just sort of mold around everywhere. So we like being too set because then it gives people a formation to sort of break or whatnot. So if we both can play at the net, we both can play at the back, then it just makes it so much harder for people to play. And yeah, and also with our speed, it like we just sort of rotate around each other really quick and cover the court really quick. And so it's kind of just like play everywhere, don't we? We don't really, I mean, there is obviously a set. Stephen likes to go in more. But we just, we do everything, honestly. Well, going into that partnership, so beforehand in my previous partnership, I was the rear court player. So going and play with Callum, I had to learn very quickly that <laughs> I was the one that was going to have to start coming in. Yeah. And it's still something that I'm working on, something that I can still get a lot better. But I don't think it's, it's not necessarily like even like formation and why it works. I think even like mentally, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very, like, when it comes to tournament, I'm a very upbeat player. I like to shout, I get very emotional. And I think, Callum can calm me down, like, really well. So, and there's key crucial points where, you know, I could be quite tense, you know, like the last couple of points in a game. And Callum, yeah. Callum will turn around and he be, you know, he's very calm and collective. And I think we sort of bounce off each other. So, I'm quite vocal, quite loud. And that, that, that would transfer to Callum. And then vice versa, him being quite calm and collective can transfer to me. And I think we had a tournament in France, the uh, Orleans. In the quarters, we were 2017 down in the third. And... A stage like that it's just like you just got to do something new and i felt like cam was so uh, he was so calm and as soon as i turned around to him and you know you could tell he was like he wasn't faking it he was like we're gonna win this it's gonna be fine and i feel like him saying that i ended up believing him we managed to pull through and win and get us uh, get ourselves in the semi but yeah stuff like that which i feel like just works so well yeah so it's decent Yeah,
1: awesome awesome now, if we go to the, I guess the other part of it, what do you think doesn't work so well? So, what are the things, Calum, Is there something that Stephen does that just annoys the piss um, out of you, um, here we go. Or, or vice versa? Um, so
2: finished. Yeah. <laughs> so, like Stephen was saying, then how he's so energetic at times, like there's no off button. So he's just constant, like we're <laughs> trying to warm up, like. I've done my warm up and I'm ready to go. And then Steven's like, come on, let's have another hit. Let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. And he's just like a energetic bunny just doesn't stop. And Steve just sometimes relax. <laughs> but the thing, and also, we know each other so well that like the slightest thing that's off, you know, we can pick it up straight away. So yeah. nothing goes like a So we got to be very true and honest with each other. Otherwise, yeah, that works. <laughs> but yeah.
1: We're not here to break up partnerships, by the way. No. Yeah, it's a good piece of
2: I think it's not necessarily in the tournament, but maybe when we're training, just some, I just want him to speak to me more because like I said, I'm a very emotional player and I just want to, <laughs> I want to talk, I want to have that conversation. canon when he's trains, he's in the zone and he, he's very focused on, on himself and I'm still getting used to that because beforehand, like my previous partnership, it was literally like always talking, always communicating and it was like over the top. So then we're going over the top communication to then not like being in the zone and not communicating as much for me, I'm just like just say something. It needs, needs a lot of attention. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm a little drum creaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like it's, it's still such a new partnership. Like, I don't think it's even been a year yet. So, it's still so many things that we that you know we can that we're doing to try and improve and help each other. So, oh, Defender is one thing. <laughs> it's when, <laughs> it's when, oh, like, because I'm constantly coming to the net, and there are times that I want him to go, and it doesn't happen. So I'm like hitting it, and I'm like, oh, for God's sake, right here we go. I've got got to run in now, and it, it, it obviously he'll go to the back and. But, yeah, it's just something that, that, that we're constantly learning. And, yeah, constantly developing. That's so, that, but I didn't know what he was going to
0: say. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I feel like we should be setting up, like, a badminton counselling or something. This yeah, is, I is getting <laughs> <full> on. <laughs> this I, I, I hope you guys are going to remain a partnership after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> cool. No, this, cool. is, this is good. Air <laughs> it that way, you can boys. You, you got some big matches coming up. I'm
2: been a holiday this <laughs> guy. Like, he's coming family holidays. So at this point, I'm sort of used to we'll it. some... Some long periods of time with each other,
0: so yeah, I mean, nothing no. really pisses me that much. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, look, I mean, it's great to actually hear and see your relationship on this episode, and and it's great that you guys can really trust in each other, especially when you are, say, twenty seventeen down, and you get to look at Callum, and he's like, "We got this." That's a good feeling to have, and a good good partnership to have, even though after the match it may not be that may may not be so calm and collected, Callum afterwards. But yeah, in terms of Outside of badminton, you can talk inside or outside of badminton. I'd want to know what's the worst thing that you've done to each other.
2: I have to think about this <laughs> for a minute. Just be careful what I can say. Eh? Yeah, I've been thinking about that as well. Um, hmm, worst thing that I've done to each other. <laughs> you got anything in mind? Nothing that I, don't think I can say. <laughs> 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 I've, I've done the old, you know, like if you've gone out drinking and can passes out, you do the old drawing and stuff, but. You know, i been, been trying
0: something I can actually say. We can just make it an explicit episode, so feel free. <laughs> uh,
2: well, to be fair, it's not the worst thing that we've done to each other, but he's helped me out before we were on holiday. We went to Malaysia and then we'd gone down to Singapore for a few nights and it had been a heavy night. And um, maybe this is the worst thing that I've done to you because you had to help me out here, but it was a uh, heavy night of drinking and then. I basically just passed out in the hotel and we'd had to get back to Malaysia that morning. And he literally packed all my bags, got a pump with a pass the passport ready. And yeah, honestly, then dragged me back into the coach. Um, and then before I knew it, I've woken up and I'm in Malaysia <laughs> and he's just sorted me out. <laughs> but, so, I don't know how I did it. So so I blame the uh, the lack of security on the uh, the bar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we were pretty bad at this point. So, we, we, the bar that we were in, you had uh, you, I don't know how much it was like 50, 60, what was it? Singapore, Singapore dollars, yeah, Singapore dollars, and you basically got unlimited bit. So, we were there for the last two hours, so we made it our mission to get our, money, our money's worth. Yeah. But, like, the uh, the barmaids and bar, uh, the people working at the bar, just I don't think they were used to, to the English thing, the English drinkers because <laughs> we were down in one after another, and we were like, right, next drink, and they were, they were quite slow, so. I think we uh, took it upon ourselves to start pouring our own drinks. I don't think they were very happy, about that. and I, yeah, that, I think that sort of sent him over the edge. But yeah, that's that funny. I mean, that's, yeah. like, <laughs> so, so <laughs> outside the bus stop, he just slumped on the stairs. But yeah, that was that was yeah. funny. So that was the best thing he did to me. But then I was the worst
1: thing that I've done to you, yeah, was... Well, that, that's that's <laughs> a solid effort, Stephen. Good, good job. I don't know how you dragged him. He just wakes up in a different country. <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: it's a good story. Though. What nice stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Something, something we can, we can bring up. <laughs> now yeah um, nothing good to each other you know like that like story we look out for each other so there's nothing that bad that we <laughs> I don't think there's, there's nothing that really stands out but we've done like stuff to each other <laughs> um, we've almost had a couple fights like going back to like the early days where we, were tra- we we used to play this game with a little foam ball we'd lower the badminton net and we'd play like we call it what was it called uh, softball softball and so it's kind of like Tennessee badminton whatever and then some of those games got heated and then We'd be walking off the court after, like, almost like smashing into each other, not quite wanting to hit each other. But, and then we just, like, ran off. And, like, so there was yeah. almost a few fights that broke out. We have never fought or anything like that. To be fair, I feel like we've had a couple nights out where, <laughs> I mean, it's literally something we laugh about the next day because, you know, it's just the alcohol. But there are times where, like, kind of might have blocked me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we won't go into detail. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was something we'd literally like, the next day, we just laugh about it, but it was just zero cool. Steven can be a bit bipolar on the drink sometimes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> very, very okay. All right. All right. All right. We can leave that there. A really important question here, though. Who actually smashes harder?
2: I don't, that's not even <laughs> a debate at this point. I'm, okay. I don't hit it that hard.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I might have the muscles for it, but... Just, just, just for sure. He, he, yeah. He jumps higher. So you get the intimidation with <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: All right, so I guess like off court, you're really good mates. You've been really good mates for a really long time. You go on holidays together. You you go out together. You look out for each other, and then I guess that obviously helps on court, right? Stephen, you're saying that you're on court seventeen twenty down, and and Callum, you're one of your best mates, or your best mate is saying, hey, we we got this, and you're thinking, holy yeah. crap, yeah, we do. I've got that confidence. So what do you think's really key to that that partnership in building that trust? So do you think that Partners have to be friends. Do you think that they have to spend time off court and on court? Like what's your take on what forms a good partnership?
2: I think for me, there's not really any set formula because I don't necessarily think you have to get on that well. Because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's a business really. So you've really got to do is just put everything aside and just get on with it really. But it does help massively that we've got like, you know, 11 years of friendship behind the partnership. So that just naturally... We trust each other with everything we say and whatnot. So I think that definitely helps loads because, you know, at times like that, when I'm turning around to him and saying, it's fine, we got it, I think he then does truly trust me and I know that. So I say things like that. But yeah, I don't necessarily think you have to be that good mates but you just got to push things aside and just know that you've got a job to do, get it done. Really. Yeah. So, and it's just like a cherry on top that we're mates and stuff. And, you know, it's like nice that, you know, if one of us are winning, we're both winning. So I feel like that friendship as well. It's like what Hen said. If- you're there to win, so you're, you're putting any like feelings and emotions aside. But if one of us is having a bad day, or one of us isn't feeling 100, percent and you can tell, I feel like because of that friendship, we can always try and get that person feeling good again. Whereas, it, you know, if you weren't that close off court and you didn't have that friendship, I feel like stuff like that would maybe go to you know sort of dismiss it a bit and just try and focus on on ourselves. So yeah, that, that friendship does come into play, I think, on and off court because we can have. know, if we want to talk about badminton and stuff that they're trying to improve on, have like a proper in-depth conversation. Where I feel like you know there could potentially be partnerships out there that that wouldn't go as far as having these sort of conversations, or they wouldn't have in-depth conversations. So, you know, like Cam said, it definitely helps. Yeah, we lay it all out on the table. We may have these chats at times. You know, there's nothing that's like left behind or anything like that. We just say it how it is, and we know that it's nothing personal it's just what needs to be said and what yeah. needs to get done to get us better
0: very yeah. mature answer boys
2: <laughs> <laughs> like
0: okay <Look> <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah the, the maturity that you have and the friendship that you lean on outside of the court and then and then on the court when it's required is is this probably one of the reasons why you are heading to the cinnamon cup together and we did touch on that at the start of the episode but I wanted to sort of come back to that now and just get your thoughts on, you know, how did it actually feel when you guys were selected? And who would you like to play at the Suderman or Thomas Cup?
2: Well, for me, it's actually my first. It will be my first time representing England. So going into that meeting and then finding out that not only did I get picked of the Studerman, but Thomas as well, like I was over the moon. I feel like the reason why I was so happy is because for me, my badminton career hasn't been just one like easy sailing. Yeah, it hasn't been right. smooth sailing. I've had, you know, back like two, three years ago, I was, me as a person, when it came to training and my character, my characteristic, they, were, they weren't something that I could be proud about. So to then, you know, get my head down focused, train hard, not only on court, but just as me as a person, it just felt like something had finally paid off. So yeah, like I was so happy. And to then know that I've done it with, with my best mates, then it just makes it even 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 better. Yeah, no, it's, just, obviously, it's amazing getting that that call up again and uh, knowing that you're going to represent your country and on the world stage, you know, something that I'm always going to be proud of. And yeah, and it's just going to be exciting, I think, like playing, hopefully playing some top pairs and getting that exposure and experience will be really, really good and key for us. And I think... Who have we got in Thomas? we got in Thomas, of think we've got Malaysia and Japan and that group, I believe. Well, we don't know if we, we're going to play in Japan because obviously Kamura, Sonoda, they're yeah. all retired. So oh, yeah, well, I would say that we we're looking forward to playing them. Yeah, but I don't know who they're going to be taking now. Just playing, but again, anyone they they bring is going to be like, yeah. good, aren't they? So just exciting to it's just yeah. I hope we can just, yeah get some good court time, get some exposure, and just hope that we can play our best and hopefully uh, get a couple upsets
1: maybe. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> definitely he
1: knows
2: what can happen yeah nice nice
1: nice well like I said before congratulations and we wish you all the best for both of those events and yeah Callum and you're also potentially playing in some mixed doubles in the Suderman Cup as well yeah
2: yeah don't know what teams are going to be selected and who's going to be selected when the team comes out but if I get selected then I'll, I'll be grateful and I'll be like just giving them absolutely all and trying to win for the country so
1: yeah, absolutely. So I know that you said we don't know exactly who's going to play what, but if you were going to pick any doubles pair in the world today, who would you two want to play? So not not because you would win or you would lose, or but who would you just want to play against and either test yourself or try to smash through or return someone smash? Like who would that be? I would have said
2: before they retired, Kamara and Samanda, Yeah, I think their their energy and like how quick they are. There's not really a pair like them to be fair with how how they play, and I just think it would be cool to play against them and just experience someone coming at us with like that sort of speed because that's kind of similar how we play obviously to a better scale but it just would have been yeah, really agree. cool to play against them yeah, yeah i agree kamara's know that just yeah. the speed is like crazy and yeah something that we definitely want to try and achieve in the mm. future to get that that quickness yeah we look at that we look at that pair and sort of try and take a lot from their game and try to implement it into our game because we're sort of similar like heights to them we're not that big so you know but yeah, I'm tasting
0: similar to them. So yeah. Yeah. It's really special to watch Kimura and Sonoda play. And I think when Jeff and I was watching the Tokyo twenty twenty show, we were talking and, and saying, you know, Kamura and Sonoda are essentially just min- not mini me's like replicas of each other. Maybe they look a little bit different, but the intensity is the way that they play on court is pretty much they're just like the same person times two. But they're just yeah, just so fast, so dynamic and just so interesting to watch. So Look, we really do hope that that you will get the opportunity to play them both. And speaking of, I guess we are wrapping up this episode. So if the badminton community that are listening want to follow you both on your journey so that they can hopefully watch you play Kimura and Sonoda and maybe you'll pop it on your Insta story or as an Insta post at some point. Yeah, 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 exactly. So... Yeah, if they do want to follow you on your journey, then where would they find you?
2: My Instagram is steven underscore Yeah, um, that's primarily what I use, really. <laughs> yeah, I'm really just on Instagram. I don't really use too much else. Um, and that's Callum Hemming with two G's at the end, and my Twitter is just Callum Hem. That's it. <laughs> but I don't really use that much. Just mainly Instagram. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome yeah, so we'll put those Instagram handles in the podcast description so make sure you do check that out. Now, final question before we let you go, look, you're very early in your badminton journey, hopefully all, an awesome career ahead of you still. But I guess there's you talk about how you were seven, eight, nine years old, and when you started with Ross Reed in in the, those kind of those small in the groups at the leisure center and and moving up the ranks there. And if there's someone in that position there where maybe they're three, four, five years behind where you are now, what advice do you have for them? Like, What would you say to someone that's, I don't know, 15 years old and, and he's like, oh, I really want to do this badminton thing. What would you say to them?
2: I'd obviously just say have fun. Just have fun and enjoy it. If you enjoy it, then you're going to want to push on and improve and learn. And that's, that's the main thing is just make sure that you want to do it and just have loads of fun whilst doing it because there's no point in doing something that you don't enjoy yeah. you're just half ass it. So my main bit of advice is honestly just have loads of fun. For me, I would say, if you lose at a tournament or you lose in, in training, these they might feel like the biggest losses in your life, but you're at the stage of your career where those losses are just there to help you gain experience and make you a better player. So, yeah, I guess it goes to what Hem said. Just go out and have fun because everything you're doing at that age is just to make you a better badminton player and hopefully one day reach your peak and, and achieve your goals. Yeah, achieve your goals, um, yeah.
0: So, badminton listeners, wherever you are in the world, make sure that you do go out there, have fun on court, and just enjoy the sport for what it is. So, again, from Jeff and I and the Badminton Podcast, we thank you both, Stephen and
1: Callum, for coming on to this episode. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for very much. Pleasure.
2: <laughs> I hope we didn't bore you too much with our stories. <laughs> Not at
1: all. And all the best this coming week at the Sudermen Cup and then in a couple of weeks' time in Thomas Cup in Denmark. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs) So from Henry and I at The Badminton Podcast, thanks for tuning in to this episode. If you've enjoyed it or found it useful, be sure to share it with your family, friends, teammates, and someone outside your badminton circle too, because with your help, we can show the world how incredible badminton is. To keep up to date with new episodes
0: and who we're interviewing next, make sure you connect with us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn at The Badminton Podcast and on Twitter at The Badminton Pod. Feel free to contact us and ask any questions, give us feedback or request topics for future episodes. We love hearing from you. And remember to check out and shop for your simple and minimalist badminton gear at volantware.com. Catch you on the next episode. Bye, Bye.